Once again, good evening, everybody. Welcome to another primetime podcast produced here at Calvary Baptist in Gaylord, Michigan. The original air date of this podcast will be February 13th in the year 2022. We are beginning a new study of the book of Ruth, and last week was the kind of the overview in which what we offered is that we offered the opportunity to to watch a, a short video, about a seven-minute video. It was one of these videos produced by the Bible Project. Some very good study aids that help us to see the big picture. Very often, our ability to see the big picture in Scripture is essential, and then the details of the smaller picture starts to come into focus. So often, when we just plow into it without any tools, there's a language barrier. I have a language barrier, particularly with the Old English, and so I need good tools. And I'll use those, and I'll look at original language, and I'll look at all of those considerations to be sure we're properly representing the passage. So I encourage us, use the good tools. And so one of them was that video that I shared with you. Another one is the, the chart that is attached to, uh, to the email that included the link for tonight's podcast. And it was one of these Charles Swindoll charts from Insight for Living, his longtime ministry. And so I'm going to ask you to pull that chart up on your computer. If you're listening to this on just a phone, that will be difficult. But uh, perhaps you can, uh, maybe you have the ability to print out the chart. But I do find it to be helpful. So while you're pulling that chart up, I'm going to also ask you to take a moment and read through Ruth chapter 1, if you haven't already done so. And then once you have the chart uh, in your hand or on your screen, and you have read Ruth chapter 1, come back, and then we'll begin our study. And we are back. I'm going to pray for us, and we will begin. Heavenly Father, as we begin now to dig into the details of the book of Ruth, we're asking, Lord, that you will that your Holy Spirit will come upon each of us, that you will open our hearts and our minds to hear what you have to say. Help us, Lord, to, to look deep at the words, to recognize that the words bring meanings and that your message is communicated through these words. And yes, you have preserved your words throughout the passage of time. But sometimes there are still other barriers. Help us to work through those barriers, whether they be language issues or whether they be almost emotional issues that we have to work through. Help us to hear what your word has to say about the way that you have put forth your plan and you preserved your plan. And throughout the Old Testament, it was pointing to the coming of the Messiah and Lord, that you are the one who has come and who one day will come again. Until that day, as we study your word, Help us to hear what you have to say. Help us to listen. Help us to trust and help us to know that you will prevent us from wandering down a back alley that is not profitable. We ask this in your name, Lord. Amen. Now, I hope you've had the chance to read through Ruth chapter 1, perhaps a couple of times. It's not that many verses. And then I hope that you are looking at this chart that has four different columns at the top. Ruth's choice, Ruth's service, Ruth's claim, and then Ruth's marriage, and how it is divided by chapter. And the setting, really, 
is at the very beginning. It speaks about the days when the judges ruled and governed, and there was a famine in the land that gives you the idea of the setting. It moves in chapter 1 from a sense of loss and a movement towards deeper commitment, and then through chapters 3 and 4 towards a sense of gain and a deeper love. The emotions that it goes from is grief to loneliness in chapter 2, and then companionship in chapter 3, and then eventually rejoicing in chapter 4. The overall theme is God provides for those who trust him, and he provides in hard times as well as in good times. The key verses are in Ruth 1.16 and in Ruth 3, verse 11 to 12. But the overall theme is God's always in charge, including that in changing times from 1 Samuel, it's a reminder that blessed is the Lord, he has not left you without a Redeemer today. That God has always been present. He was present in the time of Ruth, and that it is through Ruth, or actually Ruth's husband Boaz, that one day the Messiah will come. So that's the use of charts like this. I find them to be very useful. That's because I'm a visual learner. There are other kinds of learning styles, and uh, they're all legitimate. People are sometimes learn more by simply hearing. Others, they re learn by visual things. Other times, they learn by, by actions. That's called a tactile learner. There are other, other ways of learning, and most of us learn in multiple ways. But the point is, is that just simply sitting and listening is one of the least effective ways of learning, or at least of retaining information. And yet that was the primary method of instruction for years. And people say, well, they learned better back then. Well, we can debate that. I think they learned basics better back then. And part of it is because there weren't all the distractions of today. But we need to go beyond basics. And so today we've had the big picture of Ruth with that video from last week. And then today with this chart, it shows us a little more encapsulated big picture. So now we're going to start digging in. We're going to start digging in. And so I would ask you to pull out your Bibles and we'll be at Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. And let us begin. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled, and there was a famine in the land. That really is one of the, the main themes that kind of frames the picture that we're going to hear. And it says, And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to journey in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the names of the man was Emelech. And the name of his wife was Naomi. And the name of his two sons, Malon and Shelon, Ephrathites and ben Bethlehem Judah, there we go, doesn't want to roll off the tongue. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Emelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left and her two sons. And they took them, wives of the women of Moab, and one was named Orpah. By the way, that's not Oprah. People see that and say, oh, yeah, yeah, Oprah Winfrey. I didn't know she was in the Old Testament. No, Orpah. <laughs> and the other was named Ruth. So Ruth's sister was this woman named Orpah. And they dwelled there about 10 years. Where did they dwell? They came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Emelech 
Naomi's husband died, and she was left and her two sons there in the country of Moab, and they lived there about 10 years. And then in verse 5 it says, And Melhan and Chilion died, both of them. Pretty sad opening. Pretty sad opening. Verse 6, Then she arose with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her. And they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. Remember, Judah is this southern kingdom, this southern portion of Israel. Verse 8, And Naomi said unto her daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you, as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. Verse 9, The Lord grant you that ye may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. By house of her husband, they mean her family, the family of her husband. Then she kissed them and lifted up their voice and wept. Verse 10, And they said unto her, Surely we will return unto, with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will ye go with me? Are there yet many more sons in my womb, that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have an husband. If I should say, I have hope, if I should have an husband also tonight, and also to bear sons. Verse 13, would ye tarry for them till they be grown? Would ye stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. I don't know about you, but all of that to me is just very difficult reading. It just does not flow off the tongue. It's hard to keep track of things. This is just a classic case of where good tools are necessary. So what I'd like to do is look at verse 6 through, um, six through oh, let's say, 13. Look at verse 6 through 13. And I want to share with you a paraphrase that should never replace our Bible, but it is a good partner. It's a good tool. Starting in verse 6. You can follow along in your Bible, but I'm going to read the paraphrase, and you follow along. And tell me whether this brings you greater clarity. Verse 6. Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab and return to her homeland. With her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she'd been living, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. Now in verse 8, But on the way Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, Go back to your mother's homes, and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept. Verse 10, no, they said, we want to go with you to your people. But Naomi replied, why should you go with me? 
Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow to be your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' homes, for I'm too old to marry again. And even if it were possible, and I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. I don't suggest that that should replace your Bible, but I think it's a helpful companion. These are tools. They're not replacements. I use them. I encourage you to use them because they help you see bigger pictures when you get lost in the details. All right, so that was up through verse 13. So now let's look at 14, back in the King James Version. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, my sister-in-law, Orpah, is gone back to, unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law, is what uh, Naomi is saying. And Ruth said, verse 16, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Very famous passage. Whither thou diest, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord so Lord, do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. That passage from verse uh, 14 on, in the paraphrase, would read as follows. And again they wept together, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, Don't ask me to leave you and to turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I'm going to live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I'll die. And there will I be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. To me, I think that just helps us to understand things. Then you go back into the King James Version and you see details that you would not have seen. This is what it means to use good tools. Of those two daughters-in-law of Naomi, Orpah, not Oprah, but Orpah, wanted to go back. She wanted to go back to Moab, to her people and to her gods. For one thing there, they worshipped multiple gods and pagan gods. But Ruth says to Naomi, you're going back to your, to your land, to the Jews, to Judah. And your God is going to be my God and your people will be my people. There's a picture here. I think there's a good picture, the idea that she was not born into a, um, basically into a believing household. She was born in the land of Moab. She was known as this Moabite woman. But she converted 
to a saving faith. She would have been considered a, a, a proselyte later on in that she was a Gentile who converted to, uh, to believing that the one true God is the one true God. Do you see that picture there that all of us, technically speaking, before we come to a saving faith, we, when we have yet to do so, at that point we still stand condemned. We're still pagan heathens, basically. But God's call is always there. The Holy Spirit is reaching. And we have to answer that call, but he gives us the ability to answer that call. Faith is a gift of God. The people who don't believe, don't believe because they can't believe. And I would argue because God has not yet given them that ability to believe. Now, well, God knows the, the outcome we do not. And that's all the more reason why we should never presume something. And that's all the more reason to be reaching out and to looking for local missions as well as missions in faraway places to have outreach to our community because we don't know who will come to a saving faith. And it may, in fact, be you or me who is the one that plants the seed that the Holy Spirit grows. Way back here in the Old Testament, Orpah went back to her pagan land and her pagan gods. But Ruth did not. Ruth followed her mother-in-law <laughs> back to Judah, to southern Israel, and the rest is history. So let's look and see what the rest of that history is. Verse 19, back in the King James Version. So they went, they went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass, when they were come to Bethlehem, that all the city was moved about them. And they said, Is this Naomi? And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. Verse 21, I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of the barley harvest. So let's look at that, verse 19 through 22. This completes chapter 1. The paraphrase says this, they continue on their journey and they come to Bethlehem. The entire town is excited by their arrival. They say, is it really Naomi? And Naomi says, don't call me that. Call me Mara. Call me Mara, which um, means bitter. Okay, Naomi, by the way, the name means pleasant. Now, there's an interesting um, turning of the tide on that, isn't it? Naomi means pleasant, but the name Mara means bitter. So in verse 21, she's saying that she went away full, but the Lord's brought her home empty. Why are you calling me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer? Call me Mara, bitterness. And the Almighty has sent such a tragedy upon me. I'm sure she's referring to the fact that her husband died. And in that culture and in that time, when a husband died, that woman just had no ability to provide for herself at all. Uh, it was a very patriarchal time. There's elements of that. There's elements of that that were not unusual in America. And I think that one thing that changed it was the number of young widows 
at the end of World War II. That was a big factor, and that changed a number of things. Among other things, that was the, the beginning of, um, <laughs> in some ways, the modern women's liberation movement. I mean, yes, they were working in the factories. Rosie the Riveter, you know, you remember those stories. They worked in the factories during the war. And now they had a new level of freedom that women really had not had in any period of modern history in so many ways. And it wasn't necessarily a bad thing. But the point was is that some people would say that the, uh, you know, the barn door was open and now it was difficult to get the herd back in the barn is the way they word it. Terrible comparison, comparing the women to the cows or to the horses. But the point is that God made each of us with certain roles. And I would argue that back then in biblical times, and in many cases, even in modern times, the role was weighted way too heavily on the man. And uh, what are proper roles and proper rights of women was stripped from them. Today, we've overcompensated in the other direction. But you can see that she felt like, you know, her, her hope and her future has been stripped away from her. That's Naomi. But what she is hoping is that her daughter-in-law, Ruth, has a possible future. And so that's a huge part of what chapter 1 is. And it says, so Naomi comes back to Bethlehem. By the way, you notice, yes, that's Bethlehem, the same Bethlehem that centuries later the Messiah will be born in. And they arrive in the late spring, and it's the beginning of what's called the barley harvest. So that gives you kind of a, a walk through the passage, the movement from Moab to southern, uh, southern Israel, or Judah, southern Israel. And I'm going to put a map on the screen right now. It's a map that gives you the opportunity to... Uh, to just get a lay of the land here, as you can see, Moab is on the east side of the Dead Sea, whereas Jerusalem and Bethlehem are on the west side of the Dead Sea. Moab is on the other side there, and it's, it's a pagan area, and uh, they believe in multiple gods. And this is where Orpah, not Oprah, Orpah went back to. And it really is an example of, in the case of Ruth, in the case of Ruth, uh, here is a, here's the story of a sinner that's going to come home, just like you and I. So now I'd, I'd like to share with you just a few insights from Charles Swindoll. And according to um, Jewish tradition, the writer of the book of Ruth was the prophet Samuel. We're not sure of this. The text doesn't say anything about the author. But whoever it was, was a very skilled storyteller. It's been called one of the most beautiful short stories ever written, which is all the more reason why a language barrier is, uh, is really difficult because you miss the details unless you can see the big picture. That's one of the reasons why you have just heard me say so many times, I have no problem with using the King James Version. But the King James only philosophy, um, at best is just simply not helpful to so many people who just don't have the reading or the language skills. And at worst, it's, it's a barrier to people coming to faith. That's why we need good tools, good tools to help us understand and apply that, those old English words. 
The timing is somewhere between 1160 and 1100 BC. And these were difficult days. Days that were full of suffering brought about by the immorality and downright the apostasy of the Israelites. Part of the judgments God brought upon his sinful people included famine and war. And the book of Ruth opens with that. And that's why Naomi's family is driven out of Bethlehem into neighboring Moab. Naomi eventually returns with Ruth because she'd heard that the Lord had visited his people and giving them food. It says that in verse 6. Now, Swindoll's commentary points out the way that we can look at this as part of the cyclical pattern of sin, suffering, supplication, and salvation. These are found in the book of Judges. But the story stands as something of a ray of light showing the power of God's love and his faithful people. Whoever wrote the book of Ruth gives this snapshot perspective, one family in one small town, as opposed to the broader narrative that the book of Judges speaks of. So what's the big idea of the book? Is really obedience in everyday life pleases God. When we reflect his character throughout our interactions with others, we bring glory to him. Ruth's sacrifice and hard work provides not only for Naomi, but it reflects God's love. Those are in the chapters to come. The book of Ruth shows the Israelites the blessings that obedience can bring. In our life, this is something that we need to face too. It came along at a time when Israel was living very irresponsibly. And it calls people back to a greater sense of faithfulness to God, even, I would argue, especially in difficult times. We not only have, but we belong to a loving and a faithful and a powerful God who has never failed to care and provide for his children. Like Ruth and then Boaz, the man she's going to meet, we're called to respond to God's divine grace with a faithful sense of obedience, even though we live in an increasingly godless culture today, much like they did back then. So that gives us an overview of chapter 1, and it stands, at least in my eyes, as another demonstration of how there are times that this wonderful high language translation that we use needs a little help for us, not because itself, not because it's wrong, but because unless you grew up with it, and very few people today have grown up with it, Unless you grew up with it, people just do not have the language skills or even the grammatical skills to dig through that. That's why tools like paraphrases are helpful. I don't see them as replacements, but I do think they're helpful and I encourage you to feel free to use them. Well, that covers Ruth chapter 1. Next week, we'll look into chapter 2. Take a moment to study chapter 2 between now and then. And frankly, I'd encourage you to reread chapter 1. You might even reread chapter 1 each day just to kind of get the, the sense of the flow of the story. Look at the broader picture. The time they were living in, the land they were living in, the journey that they make back to Judah, to that area of southern Israel, and what's going through their mind and the emotions that they're facing. That kind of sheds light on chapter 2 which is the next part of the story. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Have a great week. I look forward to seeing you again very soon.